based on how the 848 moved, I was like, I'm probably good for like 870. But I was like, I don't really have enough time to like, you know, so I'm like, just get enough back to hit 860, hit the 860 like nice and clean, no questions, you know what I mean? And next time I'll plan my attempts like, you know, accordingly to set up for like 870, 880 probably. Welcome to the Barben Podcast, where we talk to the smartest athletes, coaches, and minds from around the world of strength. I'm your guest host, Jake Boley, joined with David Thomas Tao, and this podcast is presented by Barben.com. Kevin Oak has held multiple all-time powerlifting world records throughout his career. Currently, he holds the raw 242-pound all-time world record squat and his recent 860-pound lift. Outside of powerlifting, Kevin also owns his own apparel business called Barbell Commission. In today's episode, we chat with Kevin about a variety of topics, including his pre-world record mindset heading into meets, his next epic feats of strength he has lined up, and much more. As always, we're incredibly thankful that you listen to this podcast, so if you haven't already, be sure to leave a rating and review of the Barbin podcast in your app of choice. Every month, we give away a box full of Barbin swag to one of our listeners who leaves a rating and review. Today in the Barbend office, we are honored to have powerlifter and man about town, New York strength <laughs> icon, Kevin Oak. Kevin, thanks so much for joining us today. What's up, guys? So you mentioned, I, I got to start off, you mentioned right before we started recording that you're feeling skinny these days and you're down <laughs> 15 pounds. Was that intentional or unintentional? Um, intentional, but not really, did not intend to lose it that quick, but um, I'm dropping a weight class for my next comp. I want to try to go after like the, the 220 squat record, so I got to get under 240 basically, which I am already, but I was like sick all last week, so... That weight came off a little a little quicker than expected. <laughs> do but, you do you fluctuate? Does your weight in in training, like when you're not necessarily in competition prep, do you naturally fluctuate a lot? Yeah, I usually come down. So, at my last meet when I competed at two forty two, I was walking around at like two fifty to two fifty five ish mostly. But um, I have to like eat up to that weight. So. Outside yeah. of that, then I usually I usually immediately just come right back down to like the two thirties. I was going to ask: Is it harder to take on or put on weight, and at what range is it the toughest for you? Um, neither are that hard. Um, I mean, it's probably harder to put on weight for me because I have a like I just have a pretty high BMR, and I'm not a big eater, so I have to really like think to eat more. Whereas it's easy for me to to lose weight, I just kind of eat a little less and I'm more active, just move around more, walk around more, do a little cardio. And I just, I usually drop weight like pretty quick. So that, that for all of you at home, just that's, that's the Kevin Oak method. If you're looking to drop weight, <laughs> just do a little, do a little cardio, be one of the world's best power lifters in multiple weight classes. It'll come off in the blink of an eye. It's super, super easy. Small walk around town. When you were running track in college, how much did you weigh? Like 180, 185. Wow. So, so yeah, I'm so, a little bigger now. So big Kevin ate little Kevin, <laughs> and that's and that's what we get. That's what we get right now. It's mostly in my shoulders. My legs are the same size still. 
that's that's impressive. Your legs are not small, so I guess I guess that makes sense for 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 track athletes. So you're cutting down. You're going to compete at 220. Yeah. Let's talk about your recent performances at the weight class above that, um, because they are certainly certainly noteworthy. And if you wouldn't mind giving listeners who might not be familiar a recap of you know your last comp and uh, your performance there. Yeah, at my last competition, I did the hybrid performance showdown down in Miami. Um, I ended up pretty much doing squat only. I wanted to do full meat, but I had strained both of my um, bicep tendons, like where it connects to the shoulder on both sides. So I couldn't bench a lot. Did a token bench, and then I thought I'd be able. I thought I would be able to deadlift, but I had like a strained IT band, and it was like it was very iffy when I was trying to warm up for deadlift. So I was kind of like, all right, like. Just leave it alone. But squat went well. <laughs> Broke my own world record by 22 pounds. So that was good. What'd you, what'd you end up squatting? Um, 860 in knee sleeves, not knee wraps. So raw at 242. And, and was that, that had, you, had you gone heavier than that in training, or was that just like a lifetime PR in any no, fashion? That's a lifetime PR by a lot. The 848 that I did before it was a lifetime PR by a lot. Before that, the heaviest ever squat was the 838 I did at my last meet, which was a lifetime PR. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't usually go that heavy on squats in training. I just don't really get much out of it. I'm more of a, I'd rather hit like a heavy triple, heavy four rep, five rep, that I get more out of that. And I can usually, I don't have that issue of, on squats at least, where I can't go from like doing lighter weight to heavier weight. Like, I usually don't have an issue maxing out on squats, so I don't really worry about like hitting that top top weight in training. Yeah. So now, correct me if you correct me if I'm wrong. So the third attempt actually broke the world record. You pushed it even further on the fourth attempt, right? Yeah. So I planned on going. Um, I was targeting like somewhere in the 850s, right? So um, originally I was going to go 854 on my third, but I was like, yeah. Let me hit 848 because I hit 820 like six or something on my second just to like be warmed up enough for it. So I was like, let me see how 848 feels and then I'll know how much I have left for like a fourth attempt. So I smoked 848. Um, I probably actually had like 870 in me, but you don't have that much time. If you take a fourth, you have to take like right after all of the third attempts. And I was already tired from doing 848. So I was like, let me hit like 860, another like 12 pounds and I was going to say say it was insane how easy it looked but also I want to ask you a question so you break the world record on the third you're heading into your fourth attempt what's going through your head man like I want because I can't even comprehend that weight and you've already have the world record what's going in your head to the fourth attempt was it about fun was it about pushing your limits what was what was there I was honestly just trying to get my energy back as quick as I could I was like if I have enough I was like if I get into the bar recovered enough from like that 848 i'll hit it like i knew based on how the 848 moved i was like i'm probably good for like 870 but i was like i don't really have enough time to like you know so i'm like just get enough back to hit 860 hit the 860 like nice and clean no questions you know what i mean and next time i'll plan my attempts like you know accordingly to set up for like 870, 880 probably. And it's worth noting for most people, even if you're listening to this podcast and you've competed in strength sports before, powerlifting especially, even having a fourth attempt is is so rare and signifies that you're at that level. For people who might not be familiar, you know, when does that fourth attempt 
come in? Because it's not something you see at every powerlifting meet. Yeah, usually um, in certain federations, if you're going for a world record attempt, you can take a fourth attempt as long as you also um, hit your third attempt. So that is that is even just saying like, oh, on my fourth attempt, when someone leads with that and talking about their <laughs> powerlifting performance, you're like, oh, I bet it went well. I will never have a fourth attempt in my lifetime. <laughs> but never know, right. man. This cuts like one thirty-two. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, right. I'm trying to I'm trying to set a PR for fourth attempts witnessed. I just got I'm just going to go to a lot of powerlifting meets and just talk about fourth attempts. I've seen a good amount of fourths. Yeah, you have a good amount sprinkled throughout the years. Well, I was going to say you you lifted big meats, bigger bigger meats than bigger yeah. meats than <laughs> a small fish. I, I want to start a federation where it's it's. You can you can take a fourth attempt if it's a gym PR. Like if it's the most that's been squatted in <laughs> that in that weight class at that gym, and we're just gonna have a lot of we're gonna go to a lot of small CrossFit boxes and have powerlifting meets. So a lot of people will get fourth attempts. Probably still not Jake, unfortunately. Now De- see the thing is not. with fourth attempts, it's not really worth it most of the time. Like I only did it because I knew I wasn't benching basically. Right, right. So I didn't really care about wasting that energy. But normally I don't do fourth attempt squats. I just try to get those three attempts like right on. Like at the last the last meet, I hit um eight thirty-eight on the third, and I could have went for a fourth and went heavier, but I was like, I'm going for a world record total. So I'm like, yeah, don't don't waste the energy. You just kinda have to build your total from there. But I was kind of doing squat only, so it's like whatever, just Keep going, just max out. We've we've found something even rarer than taking a fourth attempt squat, and it's what? declining a fourth attempt squat. <laughs> so even more even more rare than having the option is saying, you know what, I'm not going to increase that world record again today. And speaking of world records, so what is the current world record in the 220 pound weight class, and what um, what have you kind of squatted around there at that weight? Um, at two twenty, it's eight twenty two for raw, no knee wraps. Um, I did eight ten like three years ago, and that was the last time I competed at two twenty. Gotcha. So like, I know I can go, and that was low bar, a high bar most of the time. So like, I know I can go heavier. So I'm just gonna try to see what I can do with a a little leaner. <laughs> so are you going for are you going for just a squat record in that category or do you want the total record in that weight category? I'm not sure yet. Definitely I want to go after a squat. Depends how well my shoulder recovery is by then if I can cuz I haven't benched in over a month. So it's like I I got to get to a point where I can start benching again and I don't want to rush it. Uh-huh. So like if if I'm not ready, I'm just not I'm not going to force it for this meet. But if they're good, if they're good to go and I can bench or whatever, then like I'll try to go for the total too. Which lift do you lose the most on uh, during a weight cut or if you're dropping a weight class? Um, it varies. Probably bench. Bench is like an immediate loss when your body weight goes down for sure. Like honestly, I'm going to sound like a jerk, but I don't even like to bench when I'm under like 245 because it just feels very different and I can do tell my range of motions like a little longer and I just feel weak so probably bench but also squat deadlift my deadlift will actually go up when my body weight goes down because I can just get into position easier Uh but um yeah it's it's between squat and bench but bench I just feel it like you you're on the bench you just know you're like oh this just sucks like (laughs) this bar is going so far (laughs) no it's it's crazy I feel like 
I am nowhere near your level, but that's always the same for me. If like a couple pounds makes a fucking huge difference on the bench, yeah. like even the setup and how I contract and like get set up, it's just I feel off. I don't feel right and normal. Yeah. So I, I I understand that. I don't think you're a jerk in saying that. I think a lot of people <laughs> listening are probably like, yeah. My bench sucks when I lose 5, 10, 20, 30 pounds. Yeah, but I honestly don't even like... When I'm under 240, I just don't even want to bench. <laughs> I'm like, screw this. But squat, too. Yeah. Squat, you definitely know. But on squat, I guess the difference is if you come in like really bloated on bench, it won't mess with you. Whereas on squat, you can feel too bloated some days and it can work against you. So bench is very just straightforward, direct relationship, like body weight up, bench presses up. Body weight down, bench presses down. On, on the deadlift, you talk about getting into slightly better positions when you've dropped a little bit of weight. I know I've talked to some people in heavier weight classes that when they when they drop weight, they actually get a better grip on the barbell. Their hands have a little bit less fat on them. Have yeah. you noticed that as well? Um, not really. I I personally just haven't had the the grip issue. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, I don't sumo actually, but I don't. I pull conventional in competition, but um. I've definitely seen that, especially for people when they're recomping after a big weight cut. A lot of people's hands just swell a lot. I've never had that issue, but for me, it's more so just like if my stomach is bigger, mm. um, it'll usually like my lower back will just be more sore generally. And when I'm trying to like drop my hips down into conventional, sometimes I just can't get like as, I just can't get as good a position. It's just, it's annoying. It feels, it's just hard to like just get down there. It just feels that much harder, you know? So wait, you, you lift conventional in competition. I see you train sumo quite a bit. So you only cheat in training. <laughs> For the most part. Although I'm trying to learn hook grip, right? Because for me, for the most part over the years, training sumo kind of builds strength better for me. Whereas conventional is more of just like a display of strength. Like I can just do it for the most part huh. and I'm, tend to be stronger conventional than sumo but my last training cycle i was able to hit like an 800 triple on sumo so i was like wait like my sumo might actually be stronger than my conventional now but i can't um i can't pull heavy sumos without straps when i try to do over under the bar just like flips away from me so like i'm trying to learn hook now but We'll see. How's that process <laughs> going? And how have you I only been did one it? session and then I got sick and I'm like oh so the process so Jake to answer your question the process isn't going well yeah, it's not going. <laughs> he hook I'm not saying it's I'm not saying it's causation but hook grips once gets sick <laughs> loses 15 pounds of body weight this let this be a warning for everyone. no I'm a little I'm a little I'm a little biased I had a pretty significant wrist surgery a few years ago that I partially attribute to heavy hook grip deadlifts but that's just really? that's just I'm my worrying experience. about that but I'm like I, I actually think it was an old injury from something else I just never got fixed and then it really started getting aggravated with like heavy hook grip deadlifts well heavy for me no, no weight for you basically so like i, I didn't know it's on hook because i was having issues of i tried it like twice so far this training cycle and i noticed that um because i was trying to figure out because i can over i can double overhand like 600 usually like 550 but the most i've done is like six right but when i go to hook it becomes like an issue and i noticed that when you do like an overhand your hand is like more like this, kind of your wrist is kind of bent in. Whereas when you do hook, the line gets stretched like this way. And that's like a big issue for me, is what I'm noticing, because I just have really tight forearms. Yeah, you feel it in the tendons and everything in your forearms. Yeah, so it, it just feels completely different. And then when I tried to um 
when I try to get my lats tight, it's just really, it's just extremely awkward, but I'm working on it. The other issue is because when I was sick, I kept sneezing. I sneezed so hard, I freaking strained my intercostal on the left side. So I can't even deadlift right now, really. Like I could do like a slow descent squat, but if I try deadlift right now, that's, it's going to hurt a lot. So. Ke- Kevin Oak's immune system is so strong <laughs> that he got, he got sick and pulled a muscle. Yeah. Let that that's 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 illness goals. For all for people me. who are wondering if you can like hurt your ribs sneezing, you can. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the biggest question we had coming into this meet uh this, this <laughs> podcast. But speaking of having trouble with some bicep tendons, right? So I see you've been posting more with the motive guys and doing a lot more like prehab and rehab work, and they've been sharing some of your stuff out too. Um this as from all the years I've followed you, this is the most I've ever seen you share out with that kind of work and exercise and kind of stuff you're doing for your body what's inspi- what's like what sparked that and what inspires doing more of that work are you doing more than you ever have are you being a little bit more in tune with things that you might not have accounted for earlier on or what's going yeah, on there? I mean mainly now I'm trying to go to kin stretch I don't know if you guys know what that is yeah like, yeah. Kind of, yeah so I'm trying to do at least one kin stretch class a week I couldn't go last week but I'm gonna go this Sunday and I'm just trying to go at least once a week but just one of those things where the more meat you do, as time goes by, you're getting more and more beat up. So just being able to still compete in itself becomes like almost a sport or, you know, like just getting to the platform in one piece is hard enough in itself. So it's one of those things where as you get older, you just got to do more and more to actually be able to stay out on the field. I have a very serious question now. So dropping down to 220, competing, hopefully setting a world record there. After that's accomplished, when will you inevitably make the change to CrossFit? <laughs> that was obviously not a serious question. I absolutely. If I, I, I tried to do, I've thought of this before. I'm like, what would even happen if I tried to do like a wad or whatever, and it would go so bad? Because I'm just like, literally, I'm like all fast twitch muscle, and I have asthma, and I have just no endurance <laughs> at all. So it's just like, it would be such a disaster. Kevin Kevin Oak will, will stare down nearly 900 pounds on a barbell without blinking. But you asked this man to run a mile. Dude, I can't even do like sets of split squats, right? So <laughs> All right. literally I I did split squats all the week and I was like dying. Split squats are hard. Like split squats are hard. I don't care. <laughs> like you can just get in a, like a Bulgarian split split squat position with your body weight and do 10 reps on each leg and you're going to be breathing heavy. Like they're just tough. That and I'm just tight and like imbalance on like falling all over the place and <sighs> I was gonna say what's the, like what's the norm for you to work on when you're doing more of that like prehab and rehab work like what's your uh where are your troublesome areas these days um it's always the same thing shoulders hips knees have gotten better luckily for me I didn't have any quad tendonitis this last training cycle and I was like stunned because I usually get that especially towards the end but when I didn't have any quad tonight, so I was like, oh, like I'm gonna squat a lot. <laughs> you know, I was like, oh, this is I might not be able to bench, but my shoulders might not work. But the tendonitis just migrated. You, it just your your body Pretty took much, tendonitis. It just from, went to my bicep tendon. You, you you keep a, there's like a set level of tendonitis you have as an elite power lifter, and it has to go somewhere. So you have honestly, to like balance like it's it out. Really like that. <laughs> like it's never all good, but whatever. I got some squats in. What are some other goals that you have in your powerlifting career? I mean, you've accomplished 
a lot. You've accomplished more than <laughs> we've talked to a lot of great powerlifters on this podcast, and you're one of the most accomplished people in the sport we've talked to. Is there anything left as far as like, hey, I want to do this or I want to do this at this body weight? Yeah, I really want like a 900 squat in the sleeves, which I probably didn't really think would be possible until I did the 860 and it wasn't that hard. I was like, oh, you know what? Like I probably can get to 900 at some point. Like I'll need to be a little heavier probably, but I was like, eh. I was like, even that day, I was like, I'm probably capable of 880 right now in like a perfect day. So I'm like, it's 20 more pounds. Like I'm, I'm like, oh, like, you know, it's one of those things where when you're not squatting that much yet, so, and you look at the number 900, you're like, like, I'm never going to get there, like 900. But it's like a couple of years ago when I did 220, when I, I squat 810 and that was a PR. So at that point, it's like, if you're looking at 900, you're like, well, that's never going to come, right? But all of a sudden, like three years later, it's like, or like a year or two after that, it was like I was at 830, then like close to 840 with some left in the tank. Then I go this mean, I do 860, where I feel like I can do 870, maybe even be at 880. And then it's like, oh, well, that gap is closed now. 900 isn't so far away. So I feel like I can get to nine. It's going to be hard. I can get there. Probably as like a 275er, but sick. What keeps you going with that path? Like, I feel like you keep setting these new landmarks for yourself and you're kind of in uncharted territories in respect to your weight class. What's, uh, what's that why that keeps you going for this bigger number? Is it just to prove yourself wrong? Is it just to push, push the sport further? I don't know. You know, it's almost like you just, you just keep, I don't know. You just want to keep going after he, it. He, he's a power lifter, Jake. Man, his motivation is to power lift. Yeah, I know, but but Simon, you don't even think you don't even think of yourself as like a power lifter or anything. You're just like, I want more. You just always want. Once you get to whatever level or you get whatever accomplishment, you always want more. Yeah. So what what factor has your competition? By that I mean other people in the well, you compete in two weight classes. Other people in those two weight classes, um, there are a lot of good lifters at at two twenty and and above. You know what factor does that play in in pushing you? Or do they push you, or are you kind of just keeping that motivation internal? Like yes and no. Um, I don't really know. It's like I'm aware of who's out there for sure, and I like seeing people hit bigger and bigger numbers and break records. Um, but the way I've always looked at it is powerlifting isn't like a contact sport. It's like you're kind of doing your own thing. So it doesn't really, like if someone shows up tomorrow and squats like 950 and sleeves out of nowhere, it wouldn't really, it doesn't like affect me in any way. So it's hard to, um, you know, I just, it's like you have your goals and you go after them. You'd probably, you'd probably be pretty impressed if someone pulled that off. No, I would definitely (laughs) be impressed. But I just mean like, you know. It doesn't change what you're doing at all. Like if someone, you know, <coughs> if so, you just, you go after your numbers. If that happens to be a world record, cool. If it's not a world record, like you're still going after your numbers. So, yeah. Is there anyone, okay, is anyone in your weight classes or, or beyond? It could be on the men's side or the women's side. Anyone you look at today and they really do surprise you. Like the equivalent of, of if someone showed up at, you know, at 220 or, or, or 242 and did like a, a 950-pound squat in sleeves or something like that. Is there anyone where you see them doing something 
Could be any weight class, could be man or woman, and it surprises you to that extent. Not, not really, not anymore. Um, and mostly just because I've always known that the numbers were, were going to go up a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like a couple years ago, it was very, um, the depth was very thin, and it was just, it was a lot easier to break world records. And the talent pool just wasn't that big. Yeah, the so. sport was smaller. It wasn't yeah, what it is today. So as more people come in, I know we're just going to keep seeing more and more freaks. And we're going to see more and more like extremes of things, like especially with like like sumo deadlifts and stuff like that. We're just going to see more and more people be able to pull like a thousand and a thousand plus. Like I've always figured that was just going to happen. I'm like, it's people are going to like be drawn to this. And it's, you know, like first it was like Yuri a couple years ago that really shocked people. But now you have multiple people that are pulling like 950 plus. Right. Like someone else over the weekend just pulled right around 950. Oh, I forget his name. It, that, that's that's and that's hilarious. Even when like Barben's not even four years old, and the fact that when we started out, I could you know I could name everyone in the world who could pull that weight. Now it's like oh, someone pulled nine fifty. Yeah, know, a couple I don't years ago, it was. it was it was the race to nine hundred. Yeah. in my week, like the two twenty two forty two, it's like who's gonna break nine hundred? Now it's like mm-hmm. now it's just like all right, well, who's gonna be able to get into like that position on sumo and see what they can? You know, like it's just. It's changed. There's just a bunch of guys now that can do like 950 plus or getting close to a thousand, and there's going to be more. Yeah, I I remember what was it? It was three years ago, right, David? When we first covered Kaler's like big was it 800 or 900 pound pull, and it just like exploded. And then I feel like a couple months after, within like six months, we were seeing just a landslide of more and more heavy pulls. I think it was it was like maybe a 900 in training off the I don't even think it was yeah, like a, probably you know, like I was like off the blocks or something like that. I don't even know if it was a full lift and it was just like the article just went absolutely nuts. It's like, yeah. "Oh, here's this a lot of comments were and this is this is no disrespect to to Kaler. It was who's this skinny guy pulling pulling <laughs> 900 900 pounds. Have but, you seen Kaler in person? I know, I've never met Dude. him in person. He has like a weird frame like person. he looks skinny oh in video but on in person, he's like kind of tallish, but he has like a very broad shoulders. Well, he's got really very long, small waist, really long limbs, so it might look skinny like on camera. But if your arms yeah, are like that long, I mean, he isn't that heavy. He's under two twenty most of the time. So, but like, just the way he's built, you're like, what? He's like a spider kind of, and you're like, <laughs> what the hell? And just when you look at him, you can just like tell his hips are like very strong and solid. You know what I mean? Like he's just he's one of those people you gotta see in person. Yeah, it was like okay, so. This is weird, and if Kaylor's watching this, he's like, dude, what the... F-? So at the 2018 Arnold, I was standing in the cage, and I remember taking a picture with Kaylor, and the first thing that went through my head, I was like, this dude's lat is freaking very wide. huge. Yeah. I was like, holy crap. I'm like, this is like a whole other body. That's was- what happens with most deadlifters. Like, bench pressers look big from the front, but deadlifters usually look kind of thin, but then their backs are just wide and thick, so... Plus, they usually have long, skinny arms, so like it gives them a thinner appearance. But they're usually pretty jacked. Yeah, it was nuts. Oh my gosh! I'm I'm going out on a limb here, and I'm going to say the 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 days of the deadlift. I think this is the last year, 2020, that we're going to be paying attention to the deadlift. I think a lot of barriers are going to break this year, and I think I think. In the sport of strongman, I think Eddie Hall's 500 kilos is going to fall this year. I think Thor. I think Thor is going to lift it. I do. He's going to be attempting it a couple times this year. I don't think so. You don't train so. with Thor. He's awesome. Not not. He might do it on like the elephant bar or whatever, but like calibrated plates on a deadlift bar. I don't. I don't think so. 
That's one. That's probably like one of the craziest lifts ever. That yeah. 500 kg deadlift. That's like that was such an insane. And he just like smoked it. I was like, what? The well, fuck? he almost. I mean, he almost died. To be fair, like he, he had like a heart attack. After. He, yeah. like, he, he he was bleeding from his face. Yeah. After. Like, oh my so God. just to just to clarify, um, it smoked it smoked him. But I actually okay. So that's that's a that's a prediction. I think. That I think the next thing we're going to see about, I feel like deadlifts have kind of had the last few years. I feel like it's mm-hmm. going to be, we're going to be focusing more on the bench. And I think a lot of that's due to Julius Maddox trying yeah. to make a run 800. But I think there are a lot of other really good benchers out there right now. And I think that's the lift where we're going to see a lot more barriers fall over the next few years. Possible. Possible. Yeah. Do you think Julius Maddox can hit 800 pounds this year? Um, I don't know. It's hard to know. I wouldn't say he can't. But uh, I know he just hit seven sixty five, and it looked it looked. I wouldn't call anything like that easy because it's it's clearly not. But it it looked smooth. Yeah, um, I definitely wouldn't say he can't. And his bench is going up, so it's like I don't know when it's going to stop. <laughs> like it might stop on the other side of eight hundred, and it might stop on this. Like I don't know. Who knows? It's weird thinking that there could be a hard stop out there for a lift like that, right? It's like. It keeps progressing, but is there a hard stop? Like, is there going to be a finite number that the human body is just like, nah, man, I'm not doing any more of this? I mean, that's a great question across athletics, right? Yeah. Not even just strength sports. Like, how fast can someone go? You know, we saw like what's seen you seen Bolt in person. That dude's a monster too. <laughs> <laughs> what is? Yeah, I've never seen. I've never seen him in no, person. He is. He's like six five and just like ripped and just. We see him in person. You like, I get it. like you see his muscle fibers Uh, and you're like that's like not from this planet like what is this guy (laughs) well people probably see you and they think the they think the same thing you're just 200 220 pounds of fast twitch muscle fiber and asthma so people probably see you (laughs) and they go this guy he's not he's not from around here i feel like there's people look up to me and i'm just like no because i look up to people like i look at like zion and i'm like all right this dude's like six six and so like sharp athletically where you can just like stop on a dime and do these moves and also has like a 48 inch vertical and it's like 280 like that to me is like crazy yeah but you got like a 47 inch vertical right (laughs) i probably used to have i i tried to figure it out when i was in high school and i'm only like i was like 510 in high school so i'm like 511 now but i used to be able to hit my head i used to be able to brush it like right on the bottom of the backboard so I figured my vertical was like around like 46. But again, that's at that height, which right. isn't as impressive as a guy with like a 48-inch vertical at like 6'6". Six, six. Well, I was that's like uh, a whole nother level. You were also a lot lighter back yeah. then. You also have a lot more weight to move right now. Oh, right now I can't. I, I, I tried, um, I forgot. I measured my vertical like a year ago. I think it was like 38 or something now. That's still insane. That's still, yeah. That's like upper echelon of like, college yeah, basketball if players. I wasn't as heavy I mean it would be right up in them <laughs> but you know there's a lot of people out there with crazy verticals though you'd be surprised so you can you can do you like do you do you play basketball these days oh you no not now I came literally my arm is so tight and <laughs> whatnot I came and shoot straight like look which way my hand goes in the shooting position Jeez. like it's supposed to go like 
Like if I try to shoot, it's super awkward. Yeah, but you're great at dishing it. You just play point and just dish out. It's, it's just <laughs> yeah. like Up like Ricky Rubio scratch. over here, just just dishing out all these assists, just like these I creative passes. Play. I used to play, but nah, not anymore. It's one of those things where when you stop and you also add a lot of body weight, <laughs> it gets very difficult to get back into. That, that makes sense. That that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm just I'm just curious because if anyone like if you can dunk a basketball, then like I if I could dunk a basketball, I cannot. I'd just play basketball all the time. Like I w- I would just just post up under the rim at like rec leagues and just be like, hey, pass pass it to me. Yeah, I used to be able to dunk, but I mean, you, I also, you probably still can't. You you're still physically capable. I'd probably dunk. hurt my knee if I really tried. Oh, I you you like. could. No, you might not survive. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, no, no. But if you have a thirty inch vertical, I'd go up. But coming down, yeah, you can get usually up there. when I do jumps and stuff, the hardest part's like the landing. Uh-huh. It's just like, oh, like my knees just aren't like they're not shock absorbers anymore. It's next, just why I land. It's like, oh. Next time you want to dunk, let's do this. Like you can dunk, <laughs> and then we'll have someone with a little like step ladder, and you just hang off the rim for a second. <laughs> Do some pull-ups, and then we'll just like bring the step ladder, and you can just walk back down and prep for your next. You know, one. I was remembering another day because I was watching a dunk contest. When I was in high school, I did do the Vince Carter like elbow on the rim thing. Oh, the um, not with what the is, ball. What is that? <laughs> what is that called? That's the. Uh, oh, oh, there's a, a name, name for that. I forgot, but I did it because I was like, we just hang from your elbow. I was in high school, was like your elbow. Peak, yeah, yeah, that was like peak Vince Carter time. When that was, I was Vince Sanity. Yeah. Well, it's but still remember, he's still playing, which is. Insane. It's it's still Vince Carter. I, I just want to. I want to clarify. This man is he's, he's played in the league this year. Yeah, that's. I think he's forty two. Like that's. When you think about all the people he used to play with who have been retired for like ten years already, you're just like, you know, like Tracy McGrady, who's an awesome Dirk, NBA analyst. Dirk was like the last. I think the last non Vince Carter player from that draft class. Probably I he think. retired last year, right? Yeah, I think it yeah. was like, or maybe two years ago. Dirk wasn't retired. there one other guy? Was it Dirk? Who? Anyway, his longevity is impressive, no yeah. matter your sport. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is this is this is now a Vince Carter podcast. We talk about we talk about Vince Carter. I had the shocks in high school. I love those shoes. <laughs> oh my gosh. That, I think that was before <laughs> my time. That was probably before you. I was like, I was like two thousand. I think Kevin and I are closer. I was, I was in, Kevin, how old are you? Do you mind me asking? Thirty-three. Okay, we're actually about. I'm about equidistant between you. Between you two, then oh, I nice. might be closer to Kevin than I am than I am to you. Yeah, I, I think so. physically, I'm closer to Kevin than I am <laughs> I than about, I am I to you, Jake. <laughs> just just from like uh just from just from like people see us and they're like, oh, those guys look similar. Well, yeah, and I'm, These I'm guys also, go to the same gym. They're clearly they, training partners. They <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe second cousins, <laughs> twice removed. I mean, I have pretty curly hair, so it's possible. Yeah, I'm growing it. I'm growing it out. By the way, if you're not watching the video of this podcast, my hair actually extends up above the headphone bridge. That takes it, work. It's eventually <laughs> going to. It's eventually it. going to mention. It's going to. My hair is going to then meet again if it goes any longer above the hair. The the headphone. <laughs> yeah, tune back in in two months and you'll see it up here. Every day it gets stronger it, and bigger. When we record remote, <laughs> remotely with people, and like we start whether we're recording on like Zoom or Skype or something, if we turn the video on. They're just Pe- like, whoa. People, people look at me and they're like, because it takes up so much of the screen. They're like, you good? Like, what's 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 going on? And strength athletes, I have to record with a lot of like strength athletes, researchers. They tend to be pretty like put together people. I feel like that's eh, I, strength I, athletes. Like maybe 10 years ago, but not so much. But these days, this is like the days where, you know, Taylor Atwood shows up with like perfectly coiffed hair. Is that a, yeah, is that a coiffed? Like, 
He's like Wall? Mr. Wall Street. I'm, but like, I, yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, he's he's an IBM guy. And they look at me and they're like, "What is what is going on with you, buddy? Like, what's <laughs> well, you're clean shaven though. Well, not yeah, kind well, kind of. I don't know. I got so some, like I got you definitely like live somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> I do, I do, I do live. You know, thanks, Kevin. This is really this has really pumped me up in a in a big way. Back to powerlifting. <laughs> what do you think? What do you think? Uh, what changes do you think powerlifting is going to go through over the next few years? Um, as a, as a sport, could be at the federation level, could be at the sport level, community level, what what have you? I don't know. I mean, I feel like <coughs> sorry. I feel like it has grown a lot. I don't know if it's going to continue to grow that much. But it could, which would be awesome. Um, I see USAPL, IPF getting bigger and bigger and bigger just because it's kind of like the easiest to, to like the normal person who just starts lifting. That's like the easiest, like, you know, I just work out at a regular gym, use regular bars, like nothing crazy. I don't have to learn how to use a mono and stuff. You know what I mean? So I see USAPL and IPF to continue, definitely continue growing in popularity. Um, like non-tested will probably keep growing because I think people in general just going to keep kind of flooding into the sport. But um, I don't know. I don't really know in terms of like, I think we're, I mean, I definitely think we're going to see numbers just keep going up as the talent pool just keeps increasing. Um, you're constantly seeing on Instagram, PR, everything's about PRing and, you know, so we're just going to continue to see world records broken over and over unless you really get some people who come into certain weight classes that are really just like up and a lot. But I think we're going to continue to see growth. We're going to continue to see world records broken, continue to see more meets. Um, we got like the Sheffield meet coming up on the IPF side. So I think a lot of people are going to be interested to see how that goes. Um, Cause that's like finally kind of money being put out on that side, on the tested side. So that's probably going to be like a huge thing on that side just to see like people get money or whatever, like maybe more sponsorships, like whatever. But that'll probably be huge on that side. But I don't know. Hopefully more money meets. But I don't expect to see anything like crazy happen. <laughs> like I don't know. I was going to actually ask, um, who do you have on winning the Sheffield meet? I don't, I don't know. Because this is one of the things I hate with powerlifting. It's like IPF points and welts. Yeah. It's like, I don't understand. Like when you watch UFC night, there's what, like five cards maybe, five fights. They're, at the end of the night, they're not like, all right, well, now that now we go the formula and we're going to pick who the best fighter overall is. It's like, no, like this person won that weight class. This person won that weight class. To me, they should just, when they do money meets, they should just split the money across weight classes maybe because I think Wilkes and IPF points it's just like it's a random formula yeah and they can just change it like next week I can change the form like I'll be like oh we're using this formula now so now this person's not the best this person's the best and it's like but nothing changed so how does that work you know yeah. so I don't know I really I don't care I think IPF points kind of helps like the lighter lifters now right so it's probably gonna be like 74 or an 83 kg right like one light like no no that's it, really bad it's kind of like whose line is it anyway where the old adage was like where everything's made up and the points don't matter yeah if anyone watched that show if you could 
if you could add, this is a this is a dumb question. I remember it like twenty years ago. Drew okay. Carey. Right? Drew Carey. Yeah. yeah, that was again. That was before your before your time, Jake. First off, I used to watch. Whose line is it anyway? There's some drama. Colin, there's yeah. drama with Drew Carey right now. Is it there? Oh no! Like his his ex his died his, his ex fiance was ex was 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 murdered. murdered. Yeah, it's actually quite a there's like heavy there's like crazy drama. This is not a true crime podcast. That's gonna be we're gonna release a, the Barbend True Crime podcast a few a few months from now. It's gonna be hosted by Jake, and he's just gonna be scared all the time. Um, <laughs> great, sick. Right, that in the contract. <laughs> Kevin, where is the best place for folks to keep up to date with uh, with what you're doing, uh, training, competition, coaching, all that good stuff? Um, try DrewCarry.com. <laughs> no, um, for me, mostly Instagram. I do YouTube sometimes, but usually closer than meets. So Instagram, at Oak Strong. Um, I also own Barbell Commission Apparel, so check that out at BarbellCommissionApparel.com. Also, their Instagram, Barbell Commission, but it's about it. For coaching, just DM me or email growoakstrong at gmail.com. And listeners, as always, we will drop links down below in the description of this video and within the article where we do the transcript. Thanks for joining us, Kevin. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Thanks, Kevin. Guys.